though I'm certain my team are currently in the midst of automating bot messages to go out to all of our people. So, um, and that's been my morning. So I'm really excited to see what this afternoon brings. Hello everyone and welcome to the EdTech Podcast and this week's episode of the VocTech Podcast Learning Continued. This week we've got something slightly different as we're sharing our first live streamed episode on the podcast feed. You'll hear from guests who are musing about the future of workplace technology, further education and learning and development. It's interesting to hear the different perspectives and demands on each of our guests, the questions and comments from our live audience and the consensus around the need for more human-centred technology, which might be one positive to come out of 2020. If you like this episode and want to hear more responses about how colleges around the country are tackling the challenges of COVID-19, check back on the podcast in this series where we have episodes on using technology to launch campaigns against disinformation, to upskill in digital in the construction sector, and to move from zero digital capabilities to whole staff CPD. We've also got an episode on VocTech in the criminal justice system, so plenty to keep your ears warm during the next weeks and months. Okay, on to the episode. And if you enjoyed the live stream format, do let us know and hopefully we can make that a regular thing. Here we go. Um, hello everyone and welcome to this uh, live stream session as uh, part of the week of VocTech, uh, which UFI VocTech Trust are kindly putting together. Um, I'm very excited to uh, be doing this session today and we've got some fantastic guests which uh, I'm really looking forward to um, sharing some of their experiences of 2020 and beyond. Um, if you are on Twitter, uh, the hashtag is week of VocTech. So let's get straight to it. Uh, first of all, what I'd love to do is um, for each of the guests today, um, if you can just introduce yourself, um, who you are and what you do, and perhaps we'll start with Chantal um, from Honest Burgers. Chantal from um, Honest Burgers, I'm the people director and I also look after um, tech and innovation um, through a people experience lens. Fantastic, welcome. Um, who'd like to go next? Shane, would you like to go next? Sure, no problem. Hello, everyone. Yeah, so my name is um, Shane Guildford. I'm a chef and lecturer primarily at Cheshire College South and West in Crewe, teaching levels one, two and three um, hospitality programmes. As I say, mostly in the kitchen, professional cookery, but a lot of classroom based stuff as well. Uh, I'm also, I guess, our digital innovator for our area. I mean, I'm not in the likes of Eason Babu Khan and Scott Hayden and Stephen Hope. I'm a teacher that uses tech uh, effectively rather than digitally innovator as, a, as its own role. Um, but I do that for our area, our small team, um, inspiring and training up colleagues and upskilling uh, in what is, I believe, quite a, a daunting area of TLA. Uh, but I do that for the wider faculty and from campus to campus. A little bit about me, I'm MIE expert, so Microsoft-based, MIE trainer, MIE educator status, Neopod certified educator, Wakelet ambassador recently, uh, Flipgrid certified educator and ambassador to name a few. So I'm part of a small team here at Cheshire College South and West uh, where we run our award-winning Academy Cheshire restaurant, the current 
uh, AA College Restaurant of the Year. Uh, two years running that, that's been. Um, so we're two-time winner of that. We've got AA um, Rosettes, uh, highly commended, which is the equivalent to two AA Rosettes in industry uh, through the People First Accredited Colleges Scheme with uh, Andy Doyle uh, and the guys at People First. I'd say myself and the team all have a high work ethic um, and a can-do attitude, which we believe transcends to our learners. So that's just a little bit about me. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, and uh, Egla. So my name is Agla Vinoskaita. I'm the director of Skillbright Labs and Etec product development consultancy. I work with uh, corporate L&D departments as well as startups in this area to develop digital learning products. Fantastic. And finally, Marin. Hi, everybody. I'm delighted to be here and be part of the week of VocTech. I was really inspired by the showcase yesterday and I'm thrilled to think about the future. I'm the CEO of the Association for Learning Technology, their leading professional body for learning technology professionals, and we were established in 1993. So while this year has brought some unprecedented challenges, um, we certainly feel we've, you know, not new to this particular area. And today, um, my contribution is going to focus on a really exciting and full of potential new development called Amplify FE, which is an overarching network for professionals in the sector. Fantastic. I'm really excited to come to that because so many uh, kind of initiatives at the moment are about sort of building that partnership uh, between industry and further education and other educational institutions. So definitely going to come back to that in a moment. Um, but you kind of highlighted that it's been a challenging year. So to uh, continue with that theme, um, I've put here, you know, 2020 has completely changed our experience of learning and of work. Um, so some context. So for remote working, I think in April, 46% of people suddenly were working from home in one way or another. And that was largely due to the uh, pandemic and reported by the ONS. And then um, we've got two guests here from hospitality. So uh, Trade Body UK Hospitality predicted 500,000 hospitality jobs would be lost by the end of this year. Um, so that's quite stark, but we've also seen um, amazing creative ways of adapting to this situation. And um, I had the pleasure of speaking to you all before uh, this session and getting to know what 2020 has been like for you. Um, and I'd love to share this with our audience now. So um, Chantal, if I may, um, we spoke about your experience. Um, obviously today is the start of a new, a new lockdown in England. Um, but when we spoke, um, you were dealing with different tiers of rules and regulations across England um, for, I think it's your 700 employees. Um, and that's obviously a massive challenge, both in terms of keeping connected with them, but also um, helping them deal with all of these um, new compliance issues. Um, so I just wondered if you could share with our uh, listeners and audience today a little bit about what that experience was like and what the role of technology was in sort of helping to get around that. You know, well, it's funny, we spoke, uh, I think maybe what, six days ago, and today is the first day of lockdown. So I don't even need to speak in past tense because I'm actually living it today. Um, so Groundhog Day is, is here again. So I think, you know, there's a couple major things. So the United Kingdom isn't under one unit we have restaurants um in multiple parts of the country including cardiff so in one hand i have people ready to come out of a short lockdown with new restrictions so not only are they just coming out they're coming out on new restrictions of pre-order pre-booking only 
And then I have vast majority of my sites going into um, full on lockdown delivery only. So actually in the last 24 hours, the use of technology and how we communicated with our people was crucial. Um, and this morning, no, an hour ago, Rishi just extended furlough till March. So I'm certain my team are currently in the midst of automating bot messages to go out to all of our people. So, um, and that's been my morning. So I'm really excited to see what this afternoon brings. Um, so I have to say in terms of industry, you know, I think when you, when you see turn off your business, turn it on, now turn it on in 20 different ways and that changes every week. The, the role of technology for us has been able to get the information to the people that need it the most as quick as possible. So speed has been a huge factor. And we use an automated system, messaging system called the bot platform that we build in-house that lets us push comms out and relevant information. So you might be saying, hey, furlough is changing again. Here we go which ticks the box for communication. But if I'm the individual, I'm still going, well, how much money am I getting? What does that mean for my bank account? How am I going to feed my kids or, or you know, continue to get to work? So the, it also allows us to integrate with some really great programs about how we then get real-time information to those individuals about their specific pay. So for me, it's about, it can't just be about communication. There has to be a meaningful intervention that comes through that technology that gives information to that human that allows them to do something with it. So we balance the two via our platforms. That's really interesting because um, I know that there's this discussion around perhaps technology can sometimes be, you know, it can deliver in a broadcast mode as opposed to becoming more porous and doing the back and forth that you talked about, Chantal. So it's not just about here's the rules, deal with them. It's also, you know, well-being and, and supporting in different ways through the technology that you mentioned. I think that's crucial because I think 10 years ago, it was okay to take the box to say, let's get the information in the hands of the front line. Like that was a challenge 10 years ago. I think nowadays the expectation of, especially my workforce who all have smartphones, grew up with YouTube and Google, their expectations are a whole lot higher. They don't really care that they know the rules. They want to know that they can practically apply those rules in 10 to 20 different situations. And that's where kind of, gamification, e-learning, and real um, integrated technology systems becomes crucial. Thank you. And uh, all making us very hungry as well, um, for an honest burger. Chantal, obviously on the industry side, and then um, Shane, you're within the college side. Um, so put here, you work within an award-winning college that you mentioned for hospitality, previously yeah. visited by award-winning guest chefs and a sort of a very hands-on kitchen, which was open to the public. Um, how have you adapted to uh, be able to continue learning during 2020? Okay, well, from a, a teacher's point of view, my, it's the pandemic has pretty drastically changed my, I guess, method of delivery, as it has for quite a few colleagues, to be fair. And the thing with that is you could argue, why is it taking a, a pandemic to get that change of delivery for delivery to become a lot more collaborative rather than uh, almost didactic teaching, face-to-face -face teaching. But the last few years, especially since meeting a guy called Mark Parsons, uh, he really inspired me when um, my line manager at the time said, look, Mark, Mark's going to come in, he's going to take position. If I was you, I would hop and have a quick visit to him because uh, you'll, you'll come back a different person. 
<laughs> so I did. I went to his um, old college, had it, set up a meeting and spent half a day with him. I've never been the same since. So whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But uh, it inspired me in such a short space of time. I'm pretty much thereafter um, where I've embraced and forever developing new technology. And we don't just use it with token gesture either. We use it great impact on a daily basis so it's normal for our learners we're ensuring that phones are being used as part of sessions you know it's it's the preferred learning style for today's modern learner isn't it so i'm using things like flipgrid neopod we're utilizing the full range uh, of microsoft office 365 and its suite of applications i know the two big hitters of microsoft and google aren't they both do similar things we we've chosen the microsoft way at our college uh, but things like Mentimeter, green screen technology, all these different bits and pieces, uh, the seed was sown with Mark and I've just ran with them. And because I've run with them with such enthusiasm, it called for me to uh, upskill colleagues and so on. Now, some of the, the obstacles, well, this technology has made them less of an obstacle. Now, my wife owns a, a beauty salon um, just down the road from here and that unlike us, has been made to close and so on. So the, the heartbreak there, whereas with us, we can utilize this technology to ensure that teaching and learning and assessment still continues. Um, the communication, I think, has been improved greatly by utilizing Teams. We can get hold of a group of learners at any given time. Um, gone are the days where you could communicate with learners just on a day-to-day -day basis between the hours of nine and four we can communicate with a group or individual learners at any any reasonable time now uh, and i think that's been crucial uh, because with the adaptations and mitigation circumstances we can adapt pieces of work and disseminate it through teams and so on so other than the practical side our learners weren't getting that that far behind to be fair yeah so an example of what I used Neopod for during lockdown, obviously you, you've got your curriculum stuff that you have to use these tools and strategies for, but college trips were obviously, along with loads of other things, ceased. Well, that, that didn't stop me. I took my guys on a trip to Hawaii using virtual reality. And Neopod is the sharing platform. I even had footage of, a, of the plane at Manchester airport taking off with them on it. Uh, we went around Hawaii, saw all the sites, learned about all the food. We even stopped at a certain point in the presentation of this uh, trip and had a packed lunch. We all wore hats and sunglasses, and it just brought a bit of fun into what was essentially for a, quite a few uh, learners and colleagues quite a dark time, to be fair. I know you mentioned the heartbreak of having to close the restaurant as well, because yeah. obviously it's got quite a, a standing. It's a valuable income stream, the income stream of it. You know, we, we were a department that was sustaining itself and to have the rug pulled from under you, uh, I mean, we had, we had an 18 month waiting list. We do these gourmet evenings once a month, uh, the last Thursday of every month where we collaborate with celebrity and guest chefs, Michelin star chefs, the likes of Adam Smith from Coward Park down in Ascot, Paul Askew at the art school, uh, Mark Hicks, OBE, I mean, the, the list just went on and on and these evenings were booked 18 months in advance with a 10 table waiting list and to have that suddenly stop uh, and the learners not getting the buzz of a of a busy restaurant or kitchen service it, yeah it's, it's it's a lot to take that is
Well, um, I'll come back to that as well, because um, yesterday, mm. the BrockTech showcase, um, I was in a working group, which was talking about uh, simulation technology as well. So um, uh, and using that in, in sort of high pressure situations. So love to kind of come back to you and Chantal at the end and just talk about any other sort of technologies that you might be um, considering going forward. Um, but now what I'd love to do is reflect on how to identify and embed some of the best practices. So obviously there's been a huge change. Some of this is good, some of this is bad. Um, and Egle and Marin, um, if I might come to you, um, there've been multiple sector reports and initiatives which have come out recently. Just launched its three-year digital plan for FE and skills. Um, the College Commission have just released the College of the Future uh, report findings. And Marin, your Amplify FE report was also released. And I've been reading this in prep for this uh, live stream. And one thing I noticed is that these various reports pointed towards the need to join up efforts across further education and industry in cohesive and open partnerships and uh, networks. Um, so Marin, I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about how a future of FE might better engage communities of practice and what the defining features of a community of practice around FE and VocTech are that we should all be trying to uphold. Yeah, definitely. So as I was saying, the project that we're involved in has a really straightforward aim, which is to join up a lot of existing networks, for example, around tools like um, Flipgrid that Shane mentioned, or for specific subject areas like hospitality or functional skills. Um, but the challenge is really that the scale of staff and um, I think from all different sectors that require continuous upskilling is really growing. And I think it's grown very quickly and very steeply. So I think the need that we identified is to join in some of the existing communities and not reinvent them, but to just link them up with each other. So that let's say you are a teacher who maybe doesn't have as much colleagues in their um, subject area in their college, or you work in industry and you might be looking for learning design ideas for a specific um, employment pathway, then the Amplify FE site and network is really there to help kind of signpost you to all the different networks and maybe try and network with other professionals to help upskilling and provide CPD. And we're looking obviously also to work that towards discovering resources that you can share openly with colleagues that you can adapt so that not every professional has to always reinvent the same challenges again. But I think this year we've had a lot of big question marks sort of what does the future hold and what you know what does provision look like will it be fully online will it be blended um and i know that the ufi trust has been instrumental in helping disseminate this essential knowledge across the sector but i think we've also got to remember that we do actually have a lot of expertise it's just finding the person with the expertise that's the challenge you know, who knows what works and what doesn't for your context, for your learners in your particular college or training provider or workplace. And that's really what the Amplify FE network is there to help you do much more quickly. And we've got a, we've got a question here. Do the panel agree that digital should be the third functional skill? So English, maths, uh, digital. And if so, how could this be embedded as a cultural norm, expectation and vocational education? I, I think it's a, a great development and I think it's very important for all staff and learners but maybe one sort of caveat for me is there that it's maybe not enough 
to have general digital skills in order to do the work that we're discussing that you know looks at implementing new tech or deciding which one which solution to buy um because i think there is a lot of professional knowledge that we can't expect every single person in the workforce to have something more expert that we do need in order to make best use of digital for education and training yeah can i build i was going to say i think it's already there sorry just to be really bold and i know i'm the the industry person here i, I think people coming into the workforce right out of education, whatever age, the, the digital skills in terms of ease of it, making sure they can pick it up, it's intuitive nature, like it's grown so much in the last even five years where you can, you know, industry used to be like having to teach people how to use technology. Nowadays, people come to me and say, well, why is there not a search bar? Like, why do I have to read a guide? So actually it's their expectations that have change so drastically so if anything for me it's the it's not the functional skills they need it's the soft skills and the traits of going well how do you manage through technology when you're upset how do you take a pause how do you not react that for me is such a gap coming out of schools um that we deal with in in, in an industry perspective that all of our training is you you spend all your time doing that versus functional skills because if anything they're better at that and they're really unequipped to deal with the resilience of how do you deal with that when you get feedback via tech etc so that would be my perspective on that we've got another one here um for shane and chantal uh, did you have a situation where you wish you had a bit of tech to help um to be fair we we had the tech to help uh, it wasn't a case of wishing for it um the, the our college has been quite ahead of the game um again mark parsons tends to lead quite a bit on this you know not everyone has access to devices and so on and so forth so we've got a bank of uh fair tablets laptops and devices that can be disseminated amongst learners uh both on a take-home um basis i think going back to what chantel said before we get to um let, let all learners you know using it the accessibility to all those learners i think is a big issue not everyone has access to let alone a smart device a device or even wi-fi at home uh so i think we need i think a, a rigorous and guaranteed provision of devices and wi-fi that can apply to a home setting um through a college login if you like i don't don't know how um, but I think for learners to access that at home, particularly with a blended learning model, I think is really, really uh, important. And I think what else is important before learners get into the habit of being able to and learning how to learn it is for the tech companies themselves not to get too ahead of themselves, not to get too complicated. It's daunting enough for uh, colleagues and you know learners alike. So getting you know, you've got Google and Microsoft not not trying to do it, do each other per se, but trying to get to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing before every person, if you like, has got to learn the, th the, what, the one three stages below that. Are you with me? Yeah, I'm with you. So there's a constant change. And then also, yeah, uh, I know we spoke before about actually the professional development. So perhaps, you know, we have the tech, but are people within the college always given time or you know within their schedule is there the chance for extra professional development and I don't know Chantal you may have a comment on that as well yeah I mean I 
sometimes I'm, I'm listening and I'm trying to adapt. My world is so different. And I, I just can't, I can't not say that because I think my face will say stuff for yeah. me. But um, I, I, I really do operate in such a different environment. And I think the differences between these two environments is, is probably the need to why we have to bridge the gap and find a way to be relevant to each other and, and speak our own language. Because yeah, it does feel like um, I, there's two different languages happening in this call, um, just as an example of it. But for me, I wish I had a crystal ball. I wish technology could give me a whole lot more information about what the government's going to do, what this virus is going to do, what people are going to feel. So I'm definitely going to say I'd love more tech to give me insight into that. But I think for us is the strategy we have with technology is we have a lot of in-house, highly agile systems. So we run off of a Google network, we use um, a thing called Integromat that allows us to be very agile. So for me, the key has been that we're building technology platform, we're building technological interventions every week. And the pace of change means you have to do it every week. And I'm very thankful that I have um, a tech platforms that allow us to be that agile. Because if I didn't, I don't know how businesses are surviving with the level of change where for us, although the workload and the pace is extremely difficult, we're very lucky that our tech, our tech platforms allow us to be that agile. So for me, that's been a key success factor that that's not outsourced. It's hundred percent in, in house. Um, so it gives me that adaptability. Um, I might just jump to, to Egla cause I'm, I'm, I'm conscious that you've been sat very patiently, um, <laughs> And, and also it's a good good segue, and I'll, I'll come back to you, Shane. Um, in that, you know, your your world as well as learning and development, and and working with uh, you know corporate clients and understanding the changing uh, nature of learning and development. And I know we speak spoke before about what's happening, both positive and negatively, um, within that industry. And I've got here, you know, regarding freelance rates, companies in survival mode, or where they're trying to be a bit more long term play. Uh, and embedding best practices around user experience versus, you know, just deploying content. So I wondered if uh, I could bring you in at this point and for you to share a little bit around learning and development and vocational technology and, and the good and the bad. Oh boy, <laughs> my time to shine. Um, so as, as you would imagine, there has been a real surge of interest in digital learning because of everything that has happened and all face-to-face programs, they they went online in the span of a few weeks. And on one hand, that's a good thing. On the other hand, because of that rush, quality suffered, meaning that if you used to have a uh, one-day-long workshop and now you're doing the same thing, a one-day-long workshop on Zoom, that's, well, let, let, let's be honest, that's, that's just torture. So you need to redesign these things from scratch. And because they have not been designed for that new medium specifically, uh, the digital medium, Lots of people, uh, they, they, they have been, I think, disillusioned by what digital learning can do. And, and, and so on, on one hand, we have this like, lots of interest in digital learning, especially in the lifelong learning scene, uh, where people are now accepting that online learning, is, it's not second rate. It's not la- your last resort. People are just going and, and, and trying to improve themselves. But at the same time, we are having these conversations about Zoom fatigue, um, about lack of human connection, about uh, parents being disillusioned by how tech um, is deployed by schools, um, about students uh, asking for significant discounts because now their courses are going to be 
fully or partly online. So, so there are two sides. And from this situation, I think two types of practices emerged. So there, there were some L&D departments who, uh, they, they, I have heard of them uh, and some really good things happening in the industry where they would stop what they would do naturally, their business as usual, and they would really try to understand, try to listen to the employees and see what they needed in that moment. And then they would provide these resources and that support. So to give you a few examples, maybe it's a resource on mental health or in handling customers who are on edge or stressed out. Maybe it's a drop-in session for, for the same reason. Maybe it's a virtual space for managers to meet and share their experiences uh, on managing virtually. So those, these are the good, the good practices. But on the other side of the spectrum, we have um, other uh, learning uh, departments who have continued doing what they've always done. So for example, these large, large scale programs, uh, custom builds uh, of, of, of e-learning, which they may be excellent, they may be transformational, but they are not, they may be really good, maybe two, three months down the line, but not to address the immediate emergency. So the sort of ability to be to react and and to listen to what the, your people need, what kind of support they need, is it is uh, has been crucial. And I think that there are other anecdotes. For example, companies buying huge libraries of content for the sake of it, and then saying that. Uh, so look look at how much time our employees have been spending consuming content, as if that's naturally like a, an unequivocally positive thing, um, or. Uh, buying courses about COVID because like go onto any news outlet and you're going to find the best up-to-date information you can find. Or I, I even saw this way overdeveloped hand-washing simulation course type thing. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like if, if you're asking about good and good and bad practices, so there's a bit of both <laughs> column A and column B. That's, that's very, I think it's always helpful to, to remember, you know, uh, what's the goal and it's interesting that you break it down into, you know, what's useful now and then perhaps what can be a, a longer term investment, a strategic play as well. Um, so, I mean, we, we've got a, a little while, we've got some more questions coming, but th this session is all about the future of uh, further education, vocational technology and learning, and workplace learning. What would you like to see more of? Shane, Shane, go for it. So I'll go. I'll go back to the point I made earlier about I think accessibility to all uh, all learners, not just at college but at home as well. Uh, not just the learners that are financially secure either. You've got learners that can't can't afford a pen. You know, can't afford food, let alone Wi-Fi devices and so on and so forth. So I'd like to see something done about that. Um, I visited a few quite special colleges over the last. 12, 13 months or so. Um, I've been to see Stephen Hope at Leeds, uh, Scott down at Beecot, Esam at Westminster. Uh, and I would love our and all colleges to adopt that sort of digital innovator um, department model, if you like, where designated area for these guys to work with colleagues in curriculum areas, spending time with them, almost even creating their first two or three resources for them, giving that one-to-one -one sort of uh, upskilling, if you like, to get them on their educational uh, technology journey. Uh, I think that consistent support and help will help colleagues taking the plunge, if you like, um, 
And I think it's just as important to start with colleagues as, as almost as important as if you're starting with a student, teaching them the, the technology. If a tutor or member of staff is using technology in a lesson compared to someone that isn't, that that learner is gonna, is talked about the soft skills gap with Chantelle um, a few moments ago. That's gonna bridge the gap slightly than a, uh, a teacher that's less confident and not using it. And, and Maren, how, how do you close that gap between sort of the industry language and pace and, you know, f further education and uh, the development on that side? How Do you have any ideas? And obviously we can bounce that around to the other guests as well. I, I think Shane is right. I think the professional expertise is key here um, because I think only that can really help build the, the confidence because the kinds of questions that Chantal was mentioning, like how do you manage people effectively? What happens if something goes wrong? What happens if someone has a meltdown? What what happens, you know, when you have a mental health crisis or, or um, when you're battling digital poverty, which applies to staff just as much as it does to students. Um, and there's a lot of, I think, reluctance to talk about that because I think when you are professional and you're meant to leading um, a class you know it's hard to say well I don't have a laptop my kids dog you know cat etc unemployed partner are with me here at the kitchen table and my wi-fi is breaking down that's a hard thing to resolve via technology um, I've led a wholly you know online based organization for over three years we've had every crisis in the book and um you know, there's definitely no playbook that I found so far that has helped me through that. Um, so I think it's, you know, learning technology professionals, whether you call them digital champions or innovators or instructional designers, um, those are really key. And that's why we want to champion, you know, that recognition for that professional expertise to try and snowball it up further. Um, but I think we do have a lot of expertise in the sector, and I've, I've been inspired um, partly this week through the showcase week, but also in general, just to see how quickly people have been adapting. I think, you know, for better or for worse, this crisis has given us an opportunity to really motivate people to move on these skill gaps um, more than ever before. So I think there is a real opportunity. And on, on that, Marin, I think one of the big things I would get uh if if they would all colleagues doing and it certainly worked for me over the last couple of years is tailoring my twitter account for example to be more edgy twitter than personal um the edgy twitter content on there has been more valuable cpd than probably anything in the last 10 years and i think you know i think i think that's a great starting point for a lot a lot of colleagues i think this highlights the 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 scale of the problem for me like so I did a very brief stint out of hospitality I am a food person through and through I did a very brief stint in um third sector and and had my first real exposure to education and you know I think it's ridiculous that in this day and age we're talking about making sure people have the right resources to do their job and and so for me as like a selfish employer if you're coming to the table with that type of problem we can't even have a meaningful conversation and i i by no means am i dis discarding the problem i think it's a real problem and that's a problem in the education side that needs to be fixed it's a it's a no-brainer i could not run a business and be successful if we did not do the basics of giving people the right resources and tools to do their job that for me is ticket to ride stuff 
So until we overcome that hurdle, I can get on the same page. Uh, one, I think we're always having a, like a, a imbalanced conversation. When in, what I'd love to do is to say, you know, our apprenticeship program has all of the right intentions behind it. It's clearly not working from an output perspective and the engagement levels is nowhere near as high as they should be. Because as an industry perspective, I'm still paying for an L&D team. I'm still paying for exactly some of the examples that were that were used and trying to make sure I don't have an over-engineered hand-washing system. Because that that's our current, that's our practical solutions we need today. So for me to then take on any level of educational issues with it, it there's got to be a collaboration space where we can come in as equals and say, okay, how do we make apprenticeships land? How do we make them meaningful? for both the individual and getting the business, the outputs they need. Because right now, my opinion is, is that apprenticeship scheme does not give me that. Therefore, I can't invest in it because I have to solve real life problems. And the real life problem is that user, that learner for me needs to know how to do their job every day brilliantly and feel confident and safe to do so. So uh, that two rants for you there, education system needs to sort their beep out and then we need to have a meaningful conversation about how we do it together because right now it's it's just that's just not happening so i think as well that um fe institutions need to have a, a very supportive management structure i'm fortunate here at cheshire college that we have just that whatever technology or new thing we want to try uh, because we're proactive in asking for it and being seen to use it, whether it's local in our hospitality area or college-wide, is very supportive in getting that. And an example of that, last year, uh, we were fortunate to secure, through the Create Education Project, a, a two-month loan scheme on some 3D printers, uh, some for, uh, obviously, STEM and down in engineering and uh, motor vehicle and through our Bentley partnership and so on. But we, uh, Mark Parsons, again, this name keeps cropping up, he's very proactive and very persuasive, uh, got us a 3D printer and a form box, which has since turned into sponsorship, uh, to have, in inverted commas, have a play and develop some recipes, some dishes uh, with our learners. It was fun for me to have a play as well. Um, and we we three we we made a bespoke mold. We wanted to design our own academy Snickers bar, uh, and we wanted to do that as a like a four layer self contained multi texture dessert. Sorry if I'm making you hungry, uh, but we we were actually three D printing layers for that dessert using chocolate, peanut butter paste, and so on and so forth. So all the elements that were going into that Snickers bar, a couple of those we were three D printing, and it you know yes i was overseeing it but it was the learners um taking part and getting enthused and engaged and again it's just an example of how a very supportive management structure can aid in that now i know it does happen in pockets across the country but not i think it's fair to say not every uh, college has that full support Are you with me fantastic i mean we've got we've got a point here um from hannah thank you hannah um that you know she liked your point about twitter being an easy tool for staff to learn with and i suppose you've just mentioned about um 3d printing as well she was asking about any other tools which are easy to engage staff with um and egler if i bring you into this one as well as well as shane uh, i just uh, I, my, my first thought is that it so much depends on the context the same tools that work for for some people in in, in some lines of work they just completely fall flat for others I know that, yeah, like you're right. Twitter is a is a great 
tool if you have a community and you know how to use it intelligently. For some people, they just register on Twitter and just cannot understand what the big deal is about. So off the top, I cannot think of, um, uh, of, of a tool aside from any kind of on online learning community that you find for yourself and you develop with them. Um, that would be first thing that comes to mind, obviously not, not a comprehensive one. Marin. For, for uh, uh, one to use, having recently become a Wakelet ambassador myself, is, is the tool Wakelet. Now, Wakelet is a curation and resource uh, collection sort of tool. Uh, I'm using it to replace handouts. I don't print any paper handouts anymore. We make um, the handouts interactive. We make them come alive as they click on this Wakelet link. We can you can upload a couple of PDFs for the the guys that just don't want to let go to their uh, handouts. But Wakelet, as as well as curating your own stuff, it has a search uh, search button, a search function. Now you can search for Wakelet resources on any technology that you want to use. And again, the, there's a, a chap on I follow on Twitter called Phil Whitehead who. Um, quite often makes public and uh, publishes them through Wakelet all his educational videos and training resources on the educational technology that he uses. Wakelet I think is a really good search tool uh, to get you started. Marin. Yeah I was just going to share um, my top two recommendations would be if you're particularly if you're looking to upskill staff from the first principles um, really head to the blended learning essentials courses that are running on future learn they are open courses that are free to attend and open to everyone um, and they were developed um, with four modules including one specifically on apprenticeships and focused on the vocational education sector so I think particularly if you're looking to, you know, make it really easy for staff to engage. Um, there's even a course on how to take the course a module in the in the course. So there's really, you know, from first principles, building confidence. Um, and then I would also really recommend um, that you have a look at the hashtag or the site AmplifyFE that I mentioned earlier, because we've pulled together a list of over 100 um, places to go to start that journey. Um, whether you're looking for the best people to follow who know about specific platforms, like Shane was mentioning, or whether you're looking for a network for a specific type of education provider or key stage or subject area. So hopefully um, this list will make it easier for you to know where to start. Microsoft Education Center and just type that into Google funnily enough and it takes you to a page where there's course after course after course now our IT and network services department are great but they're very technical they they know they can tell me all about it from a technical point of view but I, I struggle then to how to use that in context now all the Microsoft stuff that I've learned and learned about uh, I've done through the Microsoft Education Center because it has teachers doing the online tutorial videos so it gives you some great pointers of how to use this technology in actual context and i think that's important as well it's not just about um knowing what it is and what it does it's how you as that tutor use it in the context of your vocational area and uh, i believe the microsoft education center does that plus you get little badges and certificates and stuff digital badges which you can put on your email signature or whatever you want so it's good Sorry, I was just going to add something like just completely different to the rest of the group. So just want to, I, I think I completely agree with the comment that was made around. It so depends on what you're trying to learn and the context of that. The one thing that I did with my team, you know, we 
we shared all of our apps on our phone and we were just like, we had hmm. some really good tech people in our team. We had some really like dinosaurs like me. And what we decided was that we, for a week, we were going to really try to embrace it. So it was simple things. So for me, there's a real power in taking it out of context of work. So for example, like light, making sure your light bulbs are um, turned on and off via the app on your phone. Sounds daunting, but the minute I figured out how to do it, I then got better with technology. So I think there's just sometimes this focus on, you know, how how have I embraced technology as a people director when I run tech and people? Well, I just embraced tech as a human. And that's allowed me to then just get more, you know, like a 20-year-old that's like intuitive and just can touch it. So for me, I'd be saying just everything you do in your normal life that's not technology, challenge yourself for a week to do it via an app and it will be painful and frustrating and you'll definitely want to kill me for saying that, but you'll be better at it. And for me, there's something about taking it out of the context of work that's quite powerful. Um, I love your point there because um, in the setting up of this, I, I was sort of in my mad way in my head saying, hello, old friend, to the feeling of, oh my God, this is gonna be, it's the first time we've done a live stream on StreamYard, is it gonna work, da -da -da, which, you know how often do people actually say that and then you know of course once it works oh yeah it was brilliant you know yeah it's really easy it, it goes out to youtube da, 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 da. but if you know i think it's that feeling of uh slight discomfort yeah it, it sort of makes me feel like things are moving forward if i feel like that now and again um yeah, that's so the I thing Sophie, and i think we've all felt and feel like that it's particularly when it comes to educational technology uh it's only easy when you know how to do it, isn't it? And that's the same in anything in life. Um, and we've all been there. And if we can get that message across to colleagues, yeah, yeah, might make it look easy now, but we have all been there at the very beginning, feeling daunted, feeling nauseous, having it, I've died a death in countless lessons using technology. Turns out the students got me out of that mess by coming to show me how to do it anyway. Uh, but yeah, you, you've got to, you got it. Everyone's got to start somewhere. And such a simple idea about just, you know, sharing the apps on your phone and, and starting that conversation. Um, so we've got the eight minutes left, if my uh, clock is correct. Um, so the College of the Future report, they, they talked about people, productivity and place. Um, and the RSA yesterday were talking about this uh, idea of a sort of community surge. So the response to COVID and actually in local contexts, the community responding. So I kind of wanted to know from all of you here today about you know, what's the balance between physical place, uh, and this could be for you know, the, the company that you work for, uh, or it could be for the college. So the balance between physical place and online, how do you um, negotiate those different communities or different manifestations of communities and um when we're thinking about the future of fe and vocational technology what's the role of place both physical and online uh well our college has been pretty fantastic and proactive both from the very first day of lockdown up until our return in august uh, september um back in march the we made sure every learner 
um, either got access to a laptop, was uh, able to access Teams, little literature PDFs were printed and given to every single learner in the place how to access Teams and Microsoft Office from home. The college has set up working uh, groups and liaising closely with awarding bodies on mitigation and adaptations. Um, the, the working group has assessed, done risk assessments on the place itself to ensure it's a safe place to return to work, um, both with visual aids, posters here, there and everywhere, the hand gels, been really thorough. Um, they've added a personal touch as well. Now, it, that, that's great for when you're coming back to work, but during lockdown, for example, the college set up like a, a sharing team I set up a camera and what have you, which was quite challenging with a three-year-old running around. Um, but we set up videos of what I made for tea that night with stuff I had in the cupboard. We had guys sharing um, tips for crochet, tips for knitting, this, that and the other with, with the whole of the college. So I think that was a really, really nice touch and it worked, worked really well. So there's a little provocation. So um, there are some university... Uh, organizations popping up around higher education and universities offerings where for example you can do an MBA at uh, Disneyland or you can do an MBA next to the beach in Hawaii because you take that online offering and they sort of package it up around a different place and I just wondered you know how much of this is about how you experience learning or the workplace by going into somewhere or by being part of the fabric of the community and, and and how much of that can be sort of nurtured online as well? Um, I think I might come in here because, you know, in the UK, we have the Open University, one of the longest established open universities in the world. And they have successfully delivered fully online degrees at all levels for a long time. Um, and there's countless other examples where we know um, online education can be just as engaging and valuable and exciting as face to face delivery. Um, and many of the reports we've seen come out emphasize that there will be more blended, um, you know, provision in the future, regardless of how the pandemic situation develops now. Um, but I feel really strongly that it's always going to be a really important place for physical provision within a community, particularly in, in contexts where you're working closely with local employers, um, but also with local communities. I think, you know, institutions do a lot more um, than just, in quotation marks, deliver education. They are part of the places where they, where they are situated and their workforces are too. So I think there's, you know, so much potential in going blended and going online but I don't think that's detracting from the importance of place. I think that will always be um, really important because we all physical beings, we all have to be somewhere. I echo that completely that you can't, you cannot remove the need for human connection and the ability to not simulate, to be in it. Like there's something about being in it. Like you said, that feeling of, oh my God, this is a new platform I'm using differently. Like you can't simulate that. You can do lots of versions of it and you can tap into it, but there's something magical. I mean, uh, the chef in the corner would agree with me. You don't know you don't know what a chef feels like until you got 10 tickets on a Friday night. That's just mm -hmm. the way it goes. And I think for me, the blended approach, and we are, we are heavy on the tech side, for the only reason why that's worth my investment of time and energy for me and my team is so that it takes away 
the boring stuff you had to do in the human time, personal connection time anyway. So for me, it's the things like making sure the, the compliance, the stuff that you have to learn that's better on a reflective, different learning style can be via technology. And again, different based on the user, I think is really key here. Um, not one size fits all does not work. But then you cherish that human connection part and you're doing it for the real stuff, problem solving, adaptability and giving people real life skills. So, yeah, I think we should cherish the connection part. If this has taught us anything, we really, really should cherish it. But I think we have been lazy about it in the past and now we have to look at it differently. So we have to make sure that if we're spending time with any learner, it's we're maximizing that time and we're not using it for stuff that could absolutely be done um, online. And that's the thing, Chantelle, isn't it, that the online will never, ever replace that buzz of having a customer sat in front of you. For my, my colleague, Vicky, who's uh, our Academy Restaurant Manageress, um, we've, we've had to adapt that because, like I say, the restaurant has been closed since September. So not only are we struggling because of loss of revenue stream, um, we're also, the learners are missing that excitement that buzz that almost nervousness of having a customer or a table of four customers if you like sat in front of them it online will never ever replace that but what vicky's doing uh, to be fair to her and i think it's absolutely brilliant she's she's almost doing it scenario based whereby she's getting one group of learners to dine and her group are actually waiting on that uh, other half of the group of learners now that's that's still nowhere near as what it should be is it to be fair but i don't see what what there's a not a lot else we can do with that but she's she's really giving it a go and, and trying to make that as real as as possible even with no customers we're making them come in in their full uniform they're like i say they're waiting on each other and giving it a good go that way thank you very much shane and and thank you all um i think that nearly brings us to time so if i was going to wrap up in a sort of slightly positive way i think it would be that it sounds like this human-centered design that um, Egla spoke about in the beginning as well. Um, and, and I know that this comment here um, around seeing the whole human. So, you know, perhaps this is about we, we've, we've been able to bring the human element to digital as we go forward. Um, so I'd like to thank all of you for your time today. It's, it's another momentous day um, with uh, global news and first day of another lockdown in England. Um, and a quick reminder that we've got another episode coming out with lots of response uh, using vocational technology um, during COVID coming up on the podcast, which is the EdTech podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, I think that's about all. Thank you all for listening. If you've uh, watched and listened live, if you're watching or listening back. And thanks again to my guests. It's been great and hope to see you back for another live stream at some point soon. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Bye now. Bye. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening in. A big shout out to this week's amazing guests and to UFI Boktech Trust for supporting this podcast series. For all the references mentioned by our guests this week, check out the show notes at theedtechpodcast.com. That's it for now. Take care. Bye bye.